With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy of and you street hey y'all hey y'all all right well um let's just go right to it one of our number took our own advice and didn't really watch the game on saturday and i think it's important that we turn it over to that individual for a recap of the game street it was it was it was a fantastic game so i'm i'm led to believe the gophers ran the ball a little bit and then the defense didn't really stop the Ohio State defense. And the game finished, what, 30-14? to 14? Was that the number? All of that sounds correct, except I'm confused why our defense was stopping their defense. Well, I think it's pretty clear, based on what I read on Twitter, that Ohio State fans have a strange view of how good and or bad their defense is. So it's totally plausible to me that they thought they got some of the juju off our defense. Yeah, I didn't delve too deep into the Ohio State Twitters, but they seem to be like there seemed to be an argument going on between the writers of Land Grant Holy Land or whoever was on their Twitter feed who were, you know, concerned that a Minnesota offense that hadn't really done shit recently was walking all over them versus everybody else who, I don't know, seemed nonplussed about the whole deal. The other the other bit I, I will say, so I, I looked at two highlights and I have a question for you all. Did you think that Tyler Johnson actually fumbled the ball? I would have said yes. My initial watch, I thought he did not. I thought it was incomplete, and then I watched the replay a couple times, and I also agreed that he did, unfortunately, fumble. Because I had a weird view of this, and that I only saw it via highlight. And one of our, our good friends, white speed receiver, had put fumble in quotes in something that he said. So I went and, and took a look at that. My general thing, why, why is it that Tyler Johnson can't catch the ball? And then other times has, like, hands that can grab, you know, anything. This is just very confusing I, to me. I, I wonder if there is some sort of, like, you know, you know that whole, like, uh, Simpsons episode where Homer sells his soul for a donut? Perhaps there is some some unholy contract out there where he is required to drop one pass per game in return for being really good the rest of the game. The other bit that I will say, that seems like a totally plausible way of going at it. The other, the other bit that I will say from, from recapping the game on an offensive side, it seemed very clear the offensive line played much better. Certainly appears as if Daniel Falalele's insertion into the offensive line was super positive, predominantly because it appears that they could actually use the tight ends and pass passing as opposed to just pass protection which was cool and also tyler johnson basically ran the exact same route and they ran the exact same rpo for like 
five of his catches. And I'm a huge fan of this as someone whose NCAA 14 offense was literally four plays. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there was nothing that led me to believe they were doing anything fancy with Tyler. The commentators, I don't remember who the commentators were at this point, but whoever the the second the uh, color analyst was, uh, definitely was like just highlighting that they were running the same route over and over. And why not? It kept working over and over. And in fact, the pretty much the only time it didn't work was that when Tyler didn't totally secure the ball and the fumble happened. And then the would have been a touchdown, except Zach overthrew him. Uh, other than, you know, mistakes like that, like that route was there all game long. I, I was pleased about that. I also have to give credit to whoever the Ohio State wide receiver is who made the one-handed catch because that was incredible. Yeah, that was pretty sick. So, so big ups to him. And I think Dwayne Haskins is probably pretty good at throwing the football. That, that was my recap of the Ohio State game. Andy, do you have anything you want to add to that uh, just absolutely illustrative and amazing summary of the game? Uh, the only thing I'd like to add is I know where Street is coming from, where he's talking about playing with only four plays on offense of uh, NCAA. What should tell you how good I got at that is I won back-to-back Heismans with Jack Simmons. <laughs> tight, tight, tight end post for the win, repeatedly. It worked back in, like, NCAA yeah. 07. I ran Sluggo. I had a Sluggo play that was my only NCAA 04 and 03. I had a Sluggo play that was my only, my only, my only move. I didn't even run the ball. I just ran that Sluggo over and over. Nah, man. You you get into you get into A squads, and you can run out of that. You can run four verts, Y cross, mesh, and then depending on whether or not you consider the run audible play, you actually have five plays. Uh, but then you have an out, you have an out pattern, and then if they only put five in the box, you immediately audible to halfback dive. All of them look identical, and with those five plays, uh, it's basically unstoppable. You've got a man beater and a zone beater in each one of them. It's great. Trying to keep us off track for one more second. Did anybody else redshirt their best player after his sophomore year so he wouldn't turn pro? Because they, for whatever reason, the AI wouldn't let a dude coming off a redshirt turn pro after the following season so you got them all four seasons no because i was good at recruiting and i just immediately no. reloaded no, no no i did i was really good at recruiting too and i just kept a stable like five deep at every position i wanted by always redshirting them after their sophomore year again no that was unnecessary leaving to the pros was a perfectly reasonable thing got a better player the next year apparently you didn't want to uh protect yourself against unexpected injuries i guess my to like six, 3D. my six string tight end won the heisman this game is very realistic <laughs> <laughs> all right um we should probably talk about nebraska uh, before we talk about nebraska the team we should talk uh most importantly about nebraska the broken chair week which is the literal most important part of this entire week uh, it is Broken Chair Week. If you have not already, please go to BrokenChairTrophy.com. Uh, please go to their GoFundMe page. Donate to the Broken Chair Trophy. What those folks are doing is a lot of fun, but it's also a good cause. And I think it's honestly one of the best rivalry-related things. Rivalry in quotes because, you know, we're not, we don't hate the Huskers the way we hate Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, but it's one of the best things out there uh, and certainly a, a, a nice um, antidote to the 
stupid Freedom Trophy and Heroes Trophy and all the other lame-named trophy, Heartland Trophy, that keep popping up in college football. So definitely give those folks a look. If you're looking for the fun aspect of it, in addition to having a chance to donate, they've got two events going on this week. The first is this Thursday, Thursday night at Stubborn Herbs. M to 9 p.m. is the Broken Chair event here in Minnesota. And Friday night, October 19th, uh, from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. down in Lincoln at Blue Blood Brewing Company is the is the Lincoln event. So if you're a Gopher fan who lives in the Twin Cities and is going to the game, you actually get to do both. Um, you can take look for my giant uh, personage as well as uh, Gopher Guy 5 uh, We will be at the Lincoln event on Friday night uh, before heading to the single barrel, which you should also do if you're in Lincoln. Uh, with that share-related content out of the way, let's get right to the actual football. Um, Alex, is Nebraska any good? This year? I mean, we could ask it as a metaphorical if you'd prefer. Well, uh, this year, Nebraska is in fact a record breaker for the program. It is the first time in Nebraska's history they've started 0-6. It is magical. I am extremely pleased by this fact. Last year, uh, you may recall that Nebraska and Minnesota played, and Minnesota won 54-21 to because Nebraska decided that defending the read option was an option, one they weren't going to take. They finished 4-8 and last year. Pretty terrible. There was no more Mike Riley. And then, um, I don't know, maybe you guys heard this, uh, Scott Frost uh, returned to the program. Are you familiar with this? I had heard tell of it. I thought maybe it was something that was made up. Um, perhaps Andy has not heard of it, though. Uh, Scott Frost, Scott Frost, Scott Frost. Not, not ringing a bell. Yeah, so apparently there was this guy named Scott Frost who I guess was, like, I don't know, a quarterback or something for Nebraska a long time ago, and he became one of the, uh, one of the people. Who uh, is now now a coach? Like a minor thing, <laughs> not a huge story. Oh, so 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 Lawrence Phillips is their head coach. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like Lawrence Phillips, except I don't know if Scott Frost has murdered anyone. Uh. So anyway, he uh, he showed up, and if you were to believe uh, the Nebraska faithful, they I believe uh, were thinking national championship. Wasn't that, wasn't that Bill Moose? Wasn't that his line? I believe, in their defense, they thought national championship next year. This year was only supposed to be like a nine-win season. Oh, so it's like the 91 Twins or something. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, it's sure not going to happen this year. They are bad. And they're much better on offense than they are on defense, but they are bad. Well, we do know they do have a couple of playmakers. Uh, their quarterback, uh, freshman quarterback that Frost brought in, uh, Adrian Martinez, I think. And they've got, of course, um, well, at least mental gopher killer, J.D. Spielman, because, you know, Clays could have had them if he really wanted him. Uh, but, we, you know, we won't go into too much detail on that. But uh, So they do have some offensive talent. So can they score points? They, 
they can have score points, uh, and they've been scoring quite a few points in recent weeks, which in some sense makes sense. I mean, one of the things that was true about Scott Frost uh, when he was at last year's national champions, the Golden Knights, is that uh, they had a very a strong progression in a positive way on offense because Frost does do a lot of things on offense. And I'm sure that at least part of the early weeks for Nebraska has been that there's a lot of things in the playbook. They don't yet have the talent available to really be successful and trying to do a lot of things in that sense it's a lot like what pj fleck was doing last year at minnesota but they certainly jd spielman's quite good there's also a senior wide receiver stanley morgan jr Uh, spielman is obviously the better of the two but morgan jr can certainly uh be a home run threat if he needs to be martinez passes the ball as he might as a quarterback but he also runs the ball he's the team's second leading rusher he's got 66 carries 290 yards on the season three touchdowns Uh, and the only player on the team who's better is their senior running back uh, who is occasionally really good as he was against purdue and northwestern or really bad as he was against michigan and wisconsin though to be fair quite a few teams look bad when playing against michigan's defense I just want to back up for a second and confirm, how is it that Scott Frost won a national title coaching NHL hockey for a team that doesn't play for a national title and didn't win the title that is actually in their, you know, league? (laughs) I'm just asking. I'm very confused by these things. Being, being not I'm fairly a, certain that Scott Frost was actually a corporate lawyer before he became the coach of Nebraska. Oh, all right. Um, well, I think we've already alluded to this. I, th- th- I was going to ask you if Nebraska can defend, but we've established that they cannot defend. They're bad on defense. Where are they the worst on defense? Oh, uh, yeah, uh. Well, pick, they can't. Uh, they can't defend the run. They're 109th in the country in that. Uh, they can't defend in the red zone. They're 111th in that. They can't just defend in general if defend means don't let the opponent score points. They're 120th in the country at that. Uh, I guess they're okay at defending the pass. They're only 77th in worst in the country at that. Though, if you can run the ball at will, why would you pass? Uh, and they're 87th in the country in red zone defense. So, like, on the off chance you get to third down, probably going to get it anyway. Can you confirm that they let a team last week go 99 yards in less than two minutes to score a tying touchdown? I can. I can confirm that. To Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, They're really bad at limiting explosive plays. Uh, There isn't really a tremendous you know, one-sidedness, their their opponents are being really balanced and just working this defense. Some of it's probably because the defensive line cannot get any push and rarely pressures a quarterback, which is uh, great news to hear if your quarterback is still nursing a gimp ankle. So what you're saying is we might have a shootout on our hands. Uh, it's certainly possible. On the other hand, right, 
some of this sort of depends on how you feel about the gopher defense uh you could feel quite bad about them which is a fair thing the secondary makes tons of mistakes it is also the case that ohio state is a very good football team with a lot of athletes especially a lot of athletes at the skill positions and dwayne haskins is an excellent quarterback adrian martinez is not dwayne haskins level good and the gophers managed to get quite a bit of pressure on dwayne haskins so if the gopher defense is able to pressure adrian martinez it's totally plausible that the gophers can hold nebraska's offense nebraska has weapons but they're not ohio state level good on the other hand minnesota has the chance to put up a bunch of points against this nebraska defense who is quite bad so i should be uh doing my little i don't know uh it's not a rain dance because we don't want me on the road with rain there's been already a history of that so we'll say my sack dance i should do my my preparatory sack dance uh, to help that Carter Coughlin goes off again is basically what you're saying. Yeah, I think Minnesota very much needs to make life uncomfortable for Adrian Martinez. It is the case that if Nebraska is able to get comfortable in the passing game, they will work Minnesota's pass defense. Terrell Smith may still be in concussion protocol. If so, Minnesota's down their top corner. They'll get Coney Durr back, but even so, this is a secondary that has played badly for a long period of time and is of course without Antoine Winfield so if any team has the ability to wait and take a couple of seconds in the pocket and pass they will pick Minnesota apart the real question I think on Saturday is whether or not the front seven for Minnesota can get consistent pressure and ideally the front four so you can drop seven in coverage I would love to see Carter Coughlin take whoever the right tackle is for Nebraska and make him look like price or whatever his name was who just look that dude was getting false starts because he was trying to hop back too quickly to avoid carter's bull rush and i don't know the last time i've seen a minnesota defender cause that to happen it, it was quite magical all right i got i got one more question for you street um andy and i we made the decision that we were going to play what we felt were good odds that Nebraska would struggle the first half of this year. Uh, and instead of purchasing visitor seats in the booniest of boonies, um, seriously, the, the visitor section up top uh, in Nebraska is really extra horrible. Uh, we would try to pick up secondary market tickets. My question for you, Street, is should Andy and I go for the best seats possible? or go for moderate seats if they present a better deal? Well, I have not been to Memorial Stadium, which I hear is, in fact, quite a fun place to go visit if you have an option to see a game. I would suggest going for moderate seats because they'll probably be cheaper, and if Minnesota has a very great day and Nebraska has a very poor day, the best fans in the land might leave a little bit early, allowing you to get those best seats in the house, but for cheaper. Andy, does that logic make sense to you, or should we just work straight for, like, on the 45 again so that you can annoy the ever-loving piss out of everyone around us? The, the logic does make sense, um, but, yeah, I don't, think we can, uh, I don't think we can leave out the wild card of, of a random Nebraska fan just deciding he has to get rid of a pair of seats and, and gopher fans walking up saying, how much do you want what for what? And paying $50 for seats about 15 rows up on the 45-yard line like happened in 2014. So, uh, you know, if all those stars want to align again, I'd be perfectly okay with that. 
Unknown Nebraska gentlemen, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, I will still be extremely tall. I will still be wearing Zubas. I'm still willing to give you $50 for a pair of seats at the 45. Putting it out there. Find me. I'm here. I'm good for it. All right. uh, We'll get off of Nebraska. We'll come back. We'll come back for some predictions. But it's time to talk uh, a little bit of uh, hockey. Andy? Where do you want to start? Because I'd like to say we could, you know, oh, don't talk about the men yet. They didn't play anybody. But the women didn't really play anybody either. So which uh, overmatched opponent do you want to uh, talk about first? Well, well, we'll give the men a little brief tidbit. Um, yeah, the, the men technically uh, were off this weekend, although they did play an exhibition game uh, at the U.S. under-18 team. Uh, yes, you heard me right, at the U.S. under-18 team. Uh, it's the first time in my recollection I can ever remember the Gophers traveling to uh, to formerly Ann Arbor, but now Plymouth, Michigan, uh, to play a road game against the U18 team. And the Gophers pretty much took them to the woodshed, beating them 7-1. to one. Um, Two good things about that. One, um, this team, you, you think, okay, well, they're beating up on a bunch of 17- and 18-year-old kids. Well, this team already beat Notre Dame and Michigan this year. Two teams, if you look at the current rankings, are in the top ten in the country. Uh, So the Gophers didn't let that happen, point one. Uh, And point two, the other thing, which is nice about the Gophers playing a road game, is apparently the U18 team is so hard up for, uh, for top college programs coming to play road games that they basically are offering four for ones. So Minnesota made the trip this year. They now get four home games against the U18 team uh, in return. So um, Gopher fans can look forward to playing full freight for exhibition games against a bunch of 17, (laughs) 18-year-old kids in four of the next upcoming seasons. I love how you sell that as a win. Uh, Okay, Uh, on to the real hockey. Uh, Women, St. Cloud State, how'd that go? At the women. They, uh, they took care of St. Cloud State. Um, they beat the Huskies up in St. Cloud on Friday night, 6-2. Uh, to two, And then they came back and hosted them at Ritter in a home-and-home home on Saturday and beat them 4-1. to one. Um, Sarah Potomac had two goals, her first two goals of the year, Friday night up in St. Cloud. And on Saturday was freshman Emily Odin getting her first two career goals. Um you know, Minnesota sort of took the pressure off. They they were up early and just sort of cruised through the end of the game and didn't really give the Huskies much of a much of a chance to even remotely think about coming back in the uh, at the end of the game. So, uh, the Gophers need, did what they needed to do. They're still ranked number three overall in the country, um, and for the third time in four series so far this season, they get another big uh, ranked matchup. Uh, Ohio State, who you may remember but probably not, made their first trip ever to the Frozen Four last year after finishing second in the WCHA regular season. Uh, they came in number four in the country uh, to Ritter this weekend for a big series uh, Friday and Saturday. So um, if you're not going to Lincoln and looking for something to do, go out and check the uh, the women's hockey team playing another top five matchup this weekend and see if they can uh, get revenge from last year where the Buckeyes uh, sort of took the Gophers to the woodshed a couple of games. And volleyball. Uh, big sweep for volleyball to move uh, to, what, seven wins in the Big Ten now? Uh, eight, actually. They're 8-0 and in the Big Ten. They're the only undefeated team in the Big Ten uh, right now. Uh, they took out number seven, uh, Illinois 3-0 Friday night. 
And then uh, Northwestern for the second time, they uh, beat them 3-0 on Saturday. It was, you know, no no trouble at all. The Gophers are cruising through the Big Ten right now. Um, they're ranked number three in the country. And uh, only teams ahead of them are undefeated BYU and a Stanford team, which gave the Gophers one of their two losses earlier this season. So uh, they're, they're the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. They will get another uh, big chance this weekend. It's it's uh, Minnesota-Nebraska day on Saturday. Friday, the Gophers get Iowa at home, which should not be a big test. The Hawkeyes aren't very good. Uh, but Saturday, the Gophers get the rematch against the Cornhuskers. Um, you may remember two weeks ago, the Gophers went down to Lincoln and beat Nebraska 3-1 to when Nebraska was the third-ranked team in the country. They're currently number five, so they'll be coming into the PAV Saturday night to take on the number three Gophers to try and get revenge. Um, so it'd be really, really nice if uh, Minnesota could get a, a nice sweep over over the Cornhuskers on Saturday and, and make life even sweeter for us. Uh, because if you haven't, if you don't know, and you probably don't, volleyball is huge in Lincoln, Nebraska. They sell out their 8,400-seat arena all the time for volleyball. So you could honestly say that probably right now volleyball is the second most popular sport other than football in Lincoln. So uh, it would just demoralize them even further if Minnesota could get a, a get a big sweep on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If we can be out at the bars after a football win and have Big Ten Network on while they sweep the Huskers in volleyball, uh, that would be pretty nice. Fingers crossed for that. Definitely. One more thing just to add on volleyball. Um, weekly awards were announced today. Uh, CeCe McGraw is the co-freshman of the week. She's the Gophers libero. Um, and Samantha Silliger-Swenson, senior setter, was named the Big Ten Setter of the Week for the fourth consecutive week. So every single week the Big Ten has been giving awards this year for conference play. Uh, Sam has has taken the Setter of the Week award. So she obviously is looking at a, a Big Ten Player of the Year type season and, and honestly should be a first-team All-American unless something goes seriously, seriously wrong here in the second half of the season. What's the – is there a – a streak like is there a record for how many player of the week in a row in the big 10 like what's the historical record for that do you have any idea i i honestly don't i know her sophomore year she uh, she won i think the award six or seven times so it, i mean she she has been one of the best setters in the big 10 since she was a freshman um she's a three-time all-american so i mean she'll go down as one of the best players ever to play for the u of m when she uh, when she's done this fall and um you know, it'll be really nice if she can continue to, to lead the Gophers back to the uh, the final four at the Target Center and uh, see if the Gophers can win their first national title. Excellent. Uh, bringing it back Streets way, uh, there's a little movie coming to the Cincinnati area on Friday that obviously I won't see over the weekend because I'll be in Lincoln. Uh, but I'm excited for it. I know Alex has been super excited for it. Free Solo. Uh, so, Street, um, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, can you briefly explain what Free Solo is to everybody? Because I think everyone should go watch it. And two, how quickly should they go watch it as soon as it gets to Minneapolis? I watched it instead of going to watch the Minnesota-Ohio State game. Free Solo is the documentary that chronicles Alex Honnold's free solo attempt, which means you climb up a rock without a rope, so it's just you and a chalk bag, to climbing up the specific rock he climbed, which is the 3,000-foot wall of El Capitan in Yosemite 
National Park. Uh, it is incredible. The doc's fantastic. Uh, it is a thriller in the best sense of the world. You should absolutely go see it. And if you're in a situation where the football team that you support is probably going to lose anyway to Ohio State, it was an excellent alternative decision. And it didn't really keep you from missing anything given, you know, the fact that you could just read Twitter. So Twitter's, yeah, exactly. Twitter's good for something. Yeah, it's weird because it's no longer chronological. So you get things like the final score is 30 to 14, and you get someone else tweeting like, man, I think Minnesota can really win this. And then you look, it's like, oh, it's happened two hours ago. All right, that's a good point. Twitter, you're still terrible. Predictions. But excellent film. Predictions. Let's go on record. For some reason, Vegas is drunk and made Minnesota six-point underdogs to start. Are they still down six, or did the line change heavily? That's a good question. Let's do some Googling. You know, I could have I come prepared for this, but yeah. I blog for fun, and, you know. We, we always could, but, you know, it's sort of a fail. Preparation's problems. overrated. Oh, it has dropped significantly. Um, it's now averaging about Nebraska is still favored, but now it's basically three and a half or four, depending upon where you go. All right, betters, I'd love to see you hammer in that Minnesota side of the line. Good for you. Um, either way, I personally am not going to be pre- predicting a Minnesota loss here, uh, mostly because I'm going to be there in person and I really want the win. I'm going to go Minnesota 31. Uh, Nebraska 27. I don't think Minnesota's going to run them or anything. I just I think they're going to win. Uh, Street, how about you? Minnesota beating Nebraska 24 to 14. All right, Andy. Well, you know you guys. I guess Chris was a little closer to what I was thinking. Street's going surprisingly with a defensive battle, which uh, you know I I, I just think that uh, it may be a shootout here, like we were talking about earlier. So. Um, I'm going to say Minnesota wins 38 to 31. I like it. I'm done for a high scoring game, honestly. <laughs> it'll be more fun that way. Oh yeah, it'd be, it'd, uh, it'd, it'd be more fun that way if we could, you know, avoid the uh, the heart attack inducing uh, Brian Body Calhoun ripping the fumble out after Nebraska's about to get this go ahead score on the two yard line, like happened in 2014. I'd be okay with that, but uh, I, I'd actually forgotten that it happened. I, I think somewhere in my mind, I had just like focused so hard on the win that I'd forgotten that particular element of the stressfulness of that of that game because I remember a lot of the other th- in my head the block uh, block punt and or block field goal or whatever it was all those other pieces like but that particular moment somehow the euphoria of that moment overwhelmed the stress of that moment I forgot all about the stressful part yeah no it was a block punt because that was the uh, that was the famous picture of the wall of corn huskers was like five on one going <laughs> in on Peter Mortel and Mortel just going oh crap yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He made that. He made that his Twitter uh, banner for a while. He did. I think. He did. Yeah. No. Uh, the, the the BBC fumble. Uh, I believe that was at the point because they of course replayed that and had to had to. It was right at the end of the third quarter, I think, too. Um, so it was an extra long break, and that was the point where the uh, two Nebraska fans next to us had had enough of us because we were basically chanting under the time, Blake, please keep the football, keep the or whatever we were chanting, and they they absolutely <laughs> hated us the entire fourth quarter. It was great. Uh, 
please, football gods, more of these moments in my life. Nebraska's been good to me. I would like it to continue to be good to me. All right. Remember, friends, it's chair week. Brokenchairtrophy.com. Get to the event at Stubbs on Thursday night down in Lincoln at Blue Blood Brewing Company on Friday night. Enjoy yourselves. Celebrate the chair. And go Gophers. Sky Yuma. Row the boat.